Good morning. A nice full house for a money talk. I love it. Um, and uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful feeling. Um, hey, no, in all seriousness, I want to take us back just for a minute uh, before we pray and get into this message. And I want to remind us of the first week of this series where we were taught, Jesus shares a story and uh, he says, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who built his house on the rock. And, and that sometimes uh, the words of Jesus can sting and they can hurt. Um, and I think today there's been a lot of examples of this in the Sermon on the Mount. Today is another example of it where this uh, idea of, of money and possessions, uh, I've joked with you before about like as a, as a preacher, you can kind of feel the oxygen go out of the room. Uh, and I want you to know this morning that it's going to be okay, right? We're going to talk through the words of Jesus. And uh, there are a couple ways that you can wield a knife, right? You can wield a knife as a weapon. Uh, but another way that a knife can be used is for, in the hands of a surgeon who is bringing you healing and bringing you life. And uh, Jesus is the latter, right? That he's going to come after our hearts today, uh, but he's coming at our hearts as a surgeon who wants to bring us healing. He wants to, he's leading us to life. Uh, he, he's leading us in that direction. So uh, we're going to get into this and, and just kind of talk through it and it's, it really is going to be okay. All right, so let's pray, and then we'll get into it. All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. Uh, we thank you for these red letters uh, that some of them, uh, for some of us, have been very challenging. Um, I, I know some weeks of this, of this series, pe some people have probably said, well, I feel like I, I do that pretty well, and, and maybe this is one of those days, but uh, we just want to hear them. We want to put them into practice, and in all things, we want to thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. At the church's uh, congregational meeting, uh, one of the wealthiest members of the congregation decided to get up, get up and uh, give a testimony, and he started out his testimony this way. He said, I'm a millionaire, and I attribute that to the blessings of God in my life, and I can, can still remember the turning point of my faith like it was yesterday. And he started telling a story of how he had earned his first dollar. And the day after he earned his first dollar, uh, there was a missionary that came to the church to talk, and he said he felt this overwhelming conviction that he was going to give it all to God's work, or he was going to give nothing at all, and he decided in that moment, he said, I'm going to be faithful. And he gave that, the first dollar he ever earned, he gave it all to God, and he said, I believe that God has blessed that decision, and that's why I'm a rich man today. Finished the testimony, uh, sat down, and the pastor of the congregation came up and said, man, wonderful story. I dare you to do it again. Um, right, and so, all right, so open up your Bibles to Matthew 6. And uh, I wanna kinda, I, this always, it bugs me when preachers do this, and I'm about to do the very thing that bugs me when I listen to sermons, but I, I, wanna, I wanna give a, a couple uh, kinda caveats to the message today as we're leading up to Jesus' text, because uh, whenever I talk about money, I always wanna highlight a couple things. One, the first thing I wanna highlight is you are saved by grace. You are saved by grace, but Jesus cares about your heart. And uh, as we are going to explore this text this morning, Jesus is going to teach us that one of the things that is coming after our hearts, one of the things is money and possessions. Jesus, in a few minutes, will teach us this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That there's something about money. I, I don't know what it is, but, but true for me too. There's something about money. There's something about possessions that comes after our hearts. It doesn't just want to be possessed. 
by us. It wants to be worshiped. I don't know what that is. It wants to be in control. It wants to be in charge. And so this is one of those kind of holiness battles that every single person in this room that we all have to fight to make sure that we are worshiping Jesus, that he is our God, that he is in control, that he is in charge. Because make no mistake about it, your stuff, your paycheck is coming after your heart. And so this is one of those battles, all right? Uh, the other thing I want to say is we will talk a little later in the sermon about church finances, but this issue has nothing to do with funding for our church, all right? I honestly believe if giving uh, dried up tomorrow and we never received another penny, we would continue to worship, right? We would continue to worship Jesus. We would continue to know Jesus. This is just not about that. That This is about being like Jesus. Our mission statement as a church, if you're new here, is that we want to be a growing family journeying together to be more like Jesus. And Jesus embodies this principle of generosity. And so we want to be like him in, in that way. Um, and then the other thing I always want you to know is that uh, I don't think I am going to cause a lot of pain today to you because um, I've been on a journey on this issue just like you have. Um, I, I've, I've thought about this a lot. I, I kind of had an epiphany a couple years ago. I was like, when I was a child, I was a very generous child. Like my, my parents told me about how generous I would be as a child. And then as I got into my early adult years, that generosity seemed to dry up and I seemed to struggle with this issue of generosity. And when I think about my faith journey, because we're all on a journey, I think it goes back to in high school when my mother passed away. And I think my faith and my trust in Jesus took a hit. And I think I had to develop that and grow that again so that I could be obedient in this issue. So I say that to have you kind of think about your journey. That is there something uh, in, in your trust of Jesus or your faith in Jesus that is holding you back on this issue? Is there something that, that needs to be addressed? So with all of that being like, because this is, Jesus is going to teach us, this is about faith and trust in him. And uh, I know what it was for me. I know what was holding me back that I had to deal with. And I'm so glad I did. The words of Jesus. Uh, chapter 6, verse 9. Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin, <laughs> love that word, destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. He starts out by challenging us and telling us that we don't want to place our treasure and we don't want to place our finances in things that don't matter. We don't want to invest in things where moth and vermin and moth and rust destroy. And I came across this thread the other day uh, on the internet that cracked me up. And the question of the thread was, what is your biggest case of buyer's remorse? So, you know, thinking about how moth and rust destroy. I want you to think about, for you, what is the biggest case uh, that you have of buyer's remorse? One guy said, uh, I bought a dirty water dog at 2 a.m. from a hot dog vendor outside in a stadium. It was the very last hot dog. It was small, shriveled, and discolored. I knew I shouldn't eat it. It didn't even smell right, but I ate it anyway because I was hungry. I arrogantly believed that I had a strong GI tract, and what followed was a seven-day nightmare, right? <laughs> Right? 
Uh, the next person said, I decided I was into comics. I have always enjoyed the superhero movies, but I'd never bothered to like read comic books. So I invested $120 in comics and I thought that would make me like them. It didn't, biggest waste of money, all right? The third one, and this is honestly one of my favorites, what is your uh, biggest case of buyer's remorse? Law school, dot, dot, dot. Many thousands of dollars later, I have a fancy piece of paper in the classroom where I teach seventh grade English, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, I love that one, because <laughs> I think we can all relate to that feeling that we invest significant money or significant time in something that we thought would satisfy, that we thought would make us happy, that we thought would, would bring us contentment, and what it turned into was a seven-day financing nightmare right? Low monthly payments till Jesus returns, right? It just doesn't bring that, that to us. So Jesus's advice is really, really simple. And I studied all week long, and this is why you pay me to boil this stuff down. I boiled it down to one sentence. This is what Jesus teaches. Stop doing that, <laughs> right? Stop, stop doing that. Stop investing in things uh, that are not going to satisfy or stuff that's gonna, that you think is going to complete you that's not. This stuff is not going to sustain you. Now, we want to make an obvious statement, right? The obvious statement is that some stuff is a necessity of life, right? We need um, a place to live, a car to drive, all that stuff. There's nothing wrong with hobbies at all, but understand that when it comes to things, moth and rust are going to come. And so here, here's the advice, don't overinvest. Don't overinvest, you have to invest some, right? Some of this stuff is necessary, but don't overinvest and certainly don't trust in it. Let me say it away, uh, another way. A home is, is a necessity. A place to live is a necessity. It is a terrible God. A car is important. It is terrible God. And entertainment and hobbies are just fine. They make terrible gods. So Jesus says, don't store up stuff thinking it's gonna do something it's never gonna do. It's not gonna complete you. It's not gonna fulfill you. It is a thing right? It is a thing. And so don't overinvest. So Jesus goes on to say, store up for yourselves treasures, instead treasures in heaven. So what does this look like? Let me show you what Jesus said one time. Uh, he had died, he was buried, he resurrected. And before he ascended back into heaven, he met up with his disciples and he shared with them, I think a key piece of advice for the mission and purpose for every person. He said, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of our age. So here's Jesus' vision. With our time and our money and our energy, we are invited into his mission we are invited to invest in this mission with the things that we support, the things we give our money to, the things we give our time to. We have this incredible and amazing opportunity to invest in God's mission, to make Jesus known, to make Jesus worshiped, to make Jesus matter to our community. And I hope that we are honored by this and I hope that we take this seriously. See, there's this interesting kind of conversation that rolls around a culture every now and then. And it's like, what is the greatest thing you can invest your time in? And what makes the biggest difference in a community? And I just happen to believe, and I think a lot of you will agree with me, that the greatest difference maker in the world is a relationship with Jesus. He will change a life. He will change a marriage. 
He will change a family. He will change a government. He will change a country if people will take the Jesus way seriously. And we are invited to invest in that with our time and with our money and with our our resources. And Jesus gives two illustrations. The first illustration is the illustration of the eye, the eyeball, right? He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. So there's this interesting thing with babies. um, Babies reach first with their eyes. Right? Have you ever noticed that about a baby? So uh, we have um, uh, one in you know, three, four months. Right? So she's a little over one, and she'll be sitting on my lap, and I'll be like returning a text or something like that, trying to do it one-handed, you know, holding, holding Lila, and all of a sudden I will notice that her little baby eyes are on the nice machine that daddy has. Right? And she'll be looking at it, and she'll be looking at it, and she'll be looking at it, and all of a sudden she will be reaching for it, and she'll be grabbing it. She stares at it for a while, and then her brain tells her what to do. Grab the phone. We must have the phone. The phone is life, right? So, and that happens very, very quickly. And so what Jesus is saying is this issue of money and possessions, it starts with our eyes. Seeing leads to grabbing, Right? So what are we staring at? What are we looking at? What are we focused on? Is it a new house, a new car, a hobby that requires a ton of money? It starts with looking, and looking leads to grabbing. Right? We, used to, um, we used to get the Sunday paper, and uh, I would be all weekend long, I'd be totally fine with our house. We live in this uh, wonderful uh, kind of older home, and I'd be perfectly happy for it with it. And then I'd get the Sunday paper, and they'd have this big kind of brink out or ad in, in the Sunday paper, and I'd start looking through houses, it's like, what, what are we doing living here? Right? We need a pool. Why don't we have a pool? Right? Because we have a postage stamp yard is why we don't have a pool. But why don't, why, why don't we have a pool? Right? We need a, a bigger kitchen, a bigger yard. And I would have been perfectly fine with my house. And then all of a sudden, I'm discontent. Why? Looking leads to grabbing. Right? Looking leads to grabbing. And sometimes, listen, don't hear me wrong. Sometimes that's fine. Right? There's nothing wrong with grabbing some stuff that brings you joy. Right? There's, there's that kind of famous show now where the woman encourages you to go through your house and hold different possessions. Say, do you bring me joy? Right? Do you bring me joy? And, and there's nothing wrong with, uh, to a certain extent, things bringing you joy. But here's where it goes wrong. When looking leads to grabbing and we're grabbing things we can't afford. Or we're grabbing things that are a bad decision for us. Or, or we're grabbing things that are not good for us. That's when it becomes... Um, that, that's when it becomes an issue. And so I was reminded this week as I was studying of this old, old hymn that uh, I used to sing a lot in my childhood, but I, I love the words of this song. Here, I'm not going to sing them, don't worry. I, that's when I felt the oxygen go out of the room. It's not money. It's like, let me uh, sing this old hymn. For, no, we're not going to do that. All right. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth, the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Looking leads to grabbing. So we want to keep our eyes focused on the Jesus way. And as we stare at him and as we look at him, all of a sudden we start grabbing the things that he wants us to grab, the things that he desires for our life, the things that he desires uh, for our culture. And this is a good thing because Jesus will always lead us to life. He will not lead us to destruction. And so we want to keep our eyes focused on Jesus, and we want to begin to grab and pay attention to the things that he loves. So we want to invest in things that make his name great. 
We want to invest in things that make his name known. We want to make, invest in things that make a difference in our culture, that introduces people to Jesus. And that leads me to the next illustration. First illustration is the illustration of the eye. The second illustration is the illustration of the master. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So this is one of the questions of money and stuff. It is the question of who am I serving? Who am I really following? And this can be really challenge, challenging, but think about it. If I don't need it, or I can't afford it, or I'm willing to go into unnecessary debt to obtain it, if once I have it, I refuse to share it, I think those are indicators that these dollars or this thing has become more important to us than it should be. They are leading us. We're no longer leading them, they're leading us. Right? They are controlling us. They are our master. And let me tell you something about money and possessions. Um, they're great to have, terrible gods. Absolutely terrible gods. So there, there's a whole list of sins in the Bible that are kind of tied to money and possessions. And, and these are the areas of life where uh, money will lead us here if we're not careful, right? And, and so greed, envy, pride, despair. Would you describe anyone you admire that way? Let me uh, tell you about my best friend. He's greedy, envious, prideful, and he's a lot of times in despair. We're close, right? No, you would never... Right? Because money is a terrible master. It is a terrible God. And we are invited to follow Jesus who will always lead us to life. So I want to kind of get, I wanted to talk, get uber practical about this. And I want to say, what does this look like when having Jesus and money and possessions in its proper place? So I want to talk practically just for a minute, if you'll indulge me, that when you think about your budget, um, we all have fixed expenses, right? Every single one of us does. And, and these fixed expenses, they tend to be pretty important expenses. So if your house payment is anything like mine, it is due every month, I've been told, by my bank, right? So it, it is due every month, all right? House payment is kind of important. Car, utilities, groceries, those are all fixed expenses. And then we have unfixed expenses, right? Eating out, play, entertainment, stuff like that. Our family is currently waiting uh, with bated breath to find out what our tax return is this year, uh, to find out if we're going to Disney World, right? So uh, literally, that's true, right? So we're just kind of waiting to see. We're just kind of waiting to see, you know, are we going to have the money or not? Tax return, come on. Let me have overpaid, right? So, um, and so then you have all these unfixed expenses of just play, hobbies, stuff like that. So I want to ask you to make two decisions, Right, and so for, for some of us, these are going to be very challenging, but two decisions uh, when it comes to money and investing in God's kingdom. Number, decision number one is to make your kingdom expenses a fixed expense. So this, when we talk about investing in the Jesus way, investing in the Jesus mission, that that would become, that you would, if that's been an unfixed expense, it's like, well, anything I have left over kind of goes to that. If that's been an unfixed expense, that that would become a fixed expense. That every month I am going to give X amount of dollars to the kingdom of God, to the bride of Christ, to the church. Now, it's going to be okay here. All right, just for a minute. Let me kind of talk about this. That if you feel weird about that or uncomfortable about that for some reason, I would really like to talk to you, right? If when I say uh, invest in uh, the bride of Christ, invest in the church, and you're like, I, I just feel uncomfortable doing that here, Steve. 
I would really uh, like to talk to you about that. Maybe I can put your mind at ease. Maybe we can have a good conversation. But here's the other thing I want you to know. I believe that the, the kingdom expenses should go to a church, to the bride of Christ. So if you're uncomfortable here, it doesn't have to be ours, give it to the church, give it to the bride. And I have a conviction that that's how my fixed expense money goes. Now there may be some unfixed expense money that you have that you wanna fund other missions and other purposes and I think, and other kingdom ventures and I think that's great. But we have kind of a dollar amount every month that's like, this is going to our local church. This is, this is our fixed expense giving, all right? So I just want you to kind of think about, Scott talked about the 10% number. Right, the tithe, you may want to think about that, pray about that, but just kind of think through uh, what is the, how can I make this a fixed expense? And then here's a, a little bit more of a challenge. Decision, decision number two is give that money first. All right, so this is going to be my fixed giving to kingdom work, and I'm going to give that money first. You see this principle of the first all throughout the scriptures, all right? So the, the first time, I, one of the first times you see it is in the story of Cain and Abel in the Bible. Cain and his brother Abel were uh, going to bring their offering to God. And the text says, it's very interesting, the text says that Cain brought some of his uh, stuff to God. And then it says Abel brought the first. So let me explain to you how this works with faith. Um, a lot of people get in the habit, and I, this was me for years and years, honestly. A lot, some, a lot of us get in the habit of uh, giving some, just like Cain did. And the way that works is I have all my fixed expenses. Things are really tight, uh, but kingdom work, kingdom giving is not a fixed expense. And so after I've given all my fixed expenses, after I've taken care of everything, if I have some, I'll give some. Um, that is not very faith building uh, because if you don't have some, then you don't give some. Right? And so you're never kind of forced to stretch uh, your faith muscles. Here's the thing about giving the first. And uh, I was challenged on this by another preacher, and it was really, really moving to me. When you give the first of your money and the first of your income to God, you know why that's faith building? Is because now you are depending on God for the second, third, and fourth right? When you give him the first, you are now dependent on him to provide for you. And I'm telling you, Scott told a story. I'll tell you one um, a, a little bit later well, here in just a couple seconds, actually, but about how faith building this can be. And we have a way, I just want to share the way our family does this now, because I think we have a cool tool that makes this uh, kind of an easy thing to do. Um, uh, we have the Northwest app that if you haven't gotten it yet, I'd encourage you to. You can get announcements there. Got a push notification, you know, about the time change, which was cool, right? So there's a lot of kind of cool things on there, but there is a giving tool on that app. And so one of the things that has helped me with this is I deposit my paycheck on like a Monday or Tuesday, whenever it happens to me, whenever I can get to the bank, and then that money is available the, the next day. I'm able to go to the Northwest app as soon as it hits, and that can, this is just for me psychologically helpful and spiritually helpful, that I can go to the Northwest app and then my fixed giving is the first thing that goes out. And I like that for me. Uh, I know other people that just prefer, it's the first check that they write, it's the first, but whatever kind of helps you to think about that this is the first thing that's going out, whatever, however that is for you. I think that there is something really beneficial about having God's kingdom work be the first thing that you do. And it is faith building. Scott had his story, um, I'll tell you, um, over a year ago, 
Uh, my wife, Cheryl, uh, stopped working outside the home and is now working twice as hard inside the home um, to homeschool our son, Sam. And um, I will tell you that uh, when, when we made the decision to do that, we lost half our income, like literally about half. And uh, it should have been a whole lot harder than it has been. I'll tell you, you know, if you just kind of lose half your income, you would think that'd be really challenging financially. And we have to think about things. You know, we can't, you know, we're waiting on our tax return for Disney, you know, stuff like that. Um, so there's some thinking that, that has to go into it, but it's been a whole lot easier than, than I would have thought that it's been. And I honestly believe that's God's blessing. I believe that God blesses us in this area that, that when uh, we're, we're faithful, I believe God blesses. And so, and I have not, believed me, um, I have not uh, done this perfectly for a large chunk of my life. Uh, you know, I remember having a conversation with Cheryl one time, very similar to the one Scott described, of uh, we were in kind of a financial mess, and I, we were uh, getting ready to go to a grocery store, and I said to Cheryl, I think we should stop our church giving for a while. And she was like, no. <laughs> I was like, I'm glad we had this talk, right? Um, so, you know, um, you know, and so, so yeah, I, I get it. This is so hard, and I understand what I'm doing is, can be so challenging, what I'm saying, but to make kingdom giving to, to the bride of Christ, to make it a priority, to make it fixed, I'm gonna give this amount every month, and then to make it first. Boy, it's challenging, but you'll be really glad you did it. And I understand that the idea of this causes some of us a great deal of fear. And I think this is, Jesus knew this. Uh, Jesus was the greatest teacher in the world, and so he continues on. He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying at a single hour, to your life. And especially today, the answer is no, because we've already lost an hour of our lives, right? So, um, but the angriest email I've ever gotten in ministry, honestly, the angriest email I've ever gotten was on what, I'm, I'm gonna say it again, and this, this was at another church, but this is the angriest email I've ever gotten, and here's what it is. I don't like birds. And somebody in my church loves birds, and they let me know that that was really wrong to say that, right? But uh, I don't like birds. I skip the birds exhibit at the zoo. I, I do. Um, they're, they're just not my thing. But I will tell you, we were just home in Michigan a couple weeks ago, and there is a family of bald eagles living right near Cheryl's dad. That is a bird, right? That, that is a really cool bird. And they're flying around, swooping in. I, they got to be changing the ecology of the area. I don't know, because it seems like they eat everything. But... Um, I held on to Lila pretty tight, you know. I, you know, I don't, I don't know what that, I don't know what that is, but like, I, you know, you, you bring Lila out and you see these bald eagles, and I'm just like, like the bird's gonna swoop down, and this is like, this never happened to me before, but as a dad, like when I, when I was thinking about that, like I had this weird kind of fantasy for a few minutes about what I would do to a bald eagle that attacked my daughter. <laughs> Super weird. I'm like, I would hunt that bird down. And yeah, yeah. And I don't care that it's protected. I would hunt that bird down. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going, this is screwed up. The bird's done nothing. But all right, so, um, so they are majestic. None of that was in my notes. But um, so here's the question on the screen for you. And I want you to consider this for a minute. Next slide. Do you think God loves a bald eagle more than you? I can assure you he loves you more. 
He loves you more than a bald eagle. And he, here's the point. The bald eagle, even the bald eagle is taken care of. Even the birds, the sparrows, right? Sparrows are nasty. Save your email. I don't care, right? <laughs> sparrows are nasty. And my, mo- my mom showed me the movie The Birds when I, when I was a child. And you remember that? The killer sparrows, super weird, coming down the chimney. I hate sparrows, but... Even they, even they are taken care of, all right? The spirit's taken care of. So does God love the bald eagle more than you? No, he loves you more. And the bald eagle is taken care of. He's gonna take care of you too. So, so the Jesus's point here is, I understand we've lost our point here a little bit, but <laughs> Jesus's point here is that when you hear what he was teaching before about giving to the kingdom and making a difference with your money and investing in the kingdom of God and, and investing in heaven, essentially, when you hear that there can be, oh, Money is so tight already. I don't know what we're going to, and there can be all of this fear that wells up. He says, no, no, drive up to Michigan with Steve and Cheryl. You'll see the bald eagles are taken care of, right? And God's going to take care of you too. All right, here he goes on. And do not worry about clothes. See the, uh, the flowers of the field? See how they grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was, uh, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? He says, consider the flowers of your garden. It is a very nice thing to consider that right now, isn't it? Uh, coming, when, when I wrote this sermon, we were in the middle of polar vortex number two, right? But here's the question Jesus is asking. Next slide. Do you think God loves a rose more than he loves you? No, he loves you more. He loves you more. But that rose is incredibly and absolutely dressed. And so he says the whole issue of being faithful with our money and giving our resources to, to kingdom ventures The whole solution to this is, let me put this on the screen for you. Next slide. It is the provision of God, that God is going to provide for and take care of your needs. So like all, while I'm talking about giving, there's this collective breath in, how am I gonna do this? I know I should be doing this. How am I gonna do this? This is the breath out. God is faithful. He's gonna take care of me. So breathe in, how am I going to, how am I going to, how am I? God is good, and God takes care of me. Breathe in anxiety, breathe out peace. And this is the truth of God. He loves us, he has our back, he's going to provide. And this is the thing that scares us most about being faithful with our money. It is uncertainty and it is unsureness. It is what Scott said about we've got this bill, we feel called to homeschool our son, we're losing half our income, all of that stuff, what are we gonna do? Be faithful. God is calling, God is faithful, God is going to take care of us. And here's the other thing about God. God does not ask us to do anything he has not done himself. Here's what I mean by that. Did you know that God gave his first and his best? Here's how John 3.16 says it. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So God says, you know what, I'll go first. I'll demonstrate this to you. I will give my first and my only, and then we trust him with what he's provided us with, and he cares for us. So here's the obvious conclusion, the obvious conclusion according to Jesus. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? 
For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Here it is, guys. Seek second. No. Seek third. No. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. All right? Next slide. I want you to read this with me out loud. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Put God and his kingdom first. Make it fixed, make it first, make it your number one priority. And God promises he will provide. And beyond that, you will see the thing that you're seeing and the thing that you're reaching for is so much better than like a new TV, so much better than a new car, although I love me a good new car too, that smell, right? But it's so much better than that, so much better than a new home. It will add meaning and purpose to your life. It's so much better than money. And you will be following, loving, and worshiping a master that is good. We good? How am I going to do this? God is so faithful. How am I going to do this? God is so good. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being a good God. And uh, I know we've, we've joked around a little bit today in good fun, but um, we want to take this seriously, too. We want to be faithful, and I've been on my own personal journey with this, and uh, I know it's hard, and I know it's scary, but the other thing that I've learned is that you are good. So it is hard, it is scary, but you are good, and that trumps all. And so we're going we're gonna to remember this moment where you went first right now, called communion. We're going to remember this moment where you gave your first and you gave your best for our salvation. And so we want to remember that. We want to celebrate it. And then we want to leave here saying, now my turn. Now I, I want to I be like Jesus. And uh, I want to be faithful in that way. Help us to do it, Lord. Give us uh, the grace. Give us the boldness. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Like I said, we're about to receive communion together, the ultimate act of God's generosity toward us. And uh, it is an opportunity for us to do exactly what I said in the prayer, that we are going to remember. Jesus told us to remember, that we're going to remember what Jesus did. And then we're going to kind of mull about, God, what are you calling me to? Right? You went, you gave your first, you gave your best. What are you now calling me to? Um, how, How do you want me to be faithful in this? And that is you and the Holy Spirit's deal right? I'm not going to interfere with that. Um, I've shared with you the text the way I wanted to share it, and now this is kind of God's work with you, and so I want to leave a little bit of time for us to do that, but you'll find two cups stacked on top of each other. One has the bread representing Jesus's body. The other has some juice representing his blood, and just spend some time thanking him and thinking through those things, and then I'll come up in just a minute. We uh, like to receive communion as a church family together, so I'll come up and lead us in that in just a few moments.